Well, welcome back to the Talking Church podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, somebody who I've known a long time. Where is he? He has a great sense of humor, but he's my brother, Connor. So welcome. Uh, If we had a studio audience, I'm sure they'd be giving you an applause, but... There's the um, clap track in the yeah, background. Exactly. So uh, tell us, uh, those who are listening, tell us what you what you do here at the church and what your role has been, how long you've been here, uh, all, the, all the important things. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I found out I was uh, the A-list top. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, just grateful to be on the podcast. Um, I have been working at the church now for seven years, if you can believe it. It'll be mm-hmm. seven years uh, in 2022. And I've done a lot of different things from Connections Pastor to assisting the Connections Program. And now I have the privilege of being able to steward uh, all of our discipleship here at River Valley. So what we define as discipleship is Connections, which is anything involving groups or teams, um, our membership class, things like that, assimilation, uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, our care, and then how we serve our community. So anything we do outside of the church. So those five areas all have a manager or a department head, and then I I get to oversee those people, kind of empower them and help them as we overall uh, disciple people. And then there's a couple of initiatives like Water Baptism, Disciple You, our Now What, which is our new believers process. Those are some things that I personally oversee as discipleship and uh, help people just grow to become more like Jesus. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a quick snapshot of yeah. what I do. Yeah. Some churches may call it like adult ministries or, other, right. you know, there's a lot of different verbiages around at different churches. Um, you know, you were a connections pastor, which kind of is our, you know, you talked about it, our, our next steps assimilation. You were that at right, a couple right. of our different campuses. Yeah. Yeah. So I was at our Shockby location. I was uh, our second largest uh, location. I was actually the very first connections pastor. So mm. it was part guinea pig and part test pilot. Like, sure. okay, we know that this is an area of our church that we haven't really focused on before, but kind of proved to us that this is a job that is needed at the church. Yeah. And so right away, just seeing uh, people who serve, people who are in small groups and really giving them a champion, uh, a pastor on the team that is uh, listening to them, encouraging them and empowering them. Uh, after just a, about a year, I think, is when we started actually making it an official position and hiring it at other locations. So just fun to be able to be a part of the entire journey from we've never had a Connections pastor. I was the very first one figuring it out, kind of building it from the ground up to now being able to help oversee all of the areas of Connections and uh, encouraging our Connections pastors and people to be uh, discipling and walking alongside people through their journey. Yeah, and, and you know, as, as the church grows, and I'm sure people listening have different degrees of staffing needs, and you'd say, okay, our yeah. church hits this barrier and hits this barrier. And, you know, when you start off the church, you're the Connections pastor, the lead pastor, the worship pastor, you know, you're the accountant you're, and yeah, the you're administrator, yeah. And obviously we've seen that journey, you know, through mom and dad and just the all the different seasons that come with that. But, you know, thinking about like, e- even in our context sharing, wh- when do we make that decision to say like, we have a campus pastor and then sometimes there's, you know, a full-time, part-time, you know, contracted volunteer youth pastor, right, right. volunteer worship. Like where, when do we make that decision to where it's like, like, Hey, a connections pastor is a, a good next step for people, you know? Yeah. I think, I think, one of the important things to think through is how important is connections as far as your church's um, 
vision or their kind of execution. Obviously, our church, it's it's important. We uh, focus a lot on missions, the 500 mm-hmm. uh, missionaries and kingdom builders. And so there's other churches, though, that their bullseye or their thing is we want to build small groups. We want to get yeah. people serving uh, many Churches might be very heavy in like a dream center kind of style where they want to have a lot of people out serving. So uh, I think that definitely plays an important part in the context. But if you're asking just for, hey, what's a good number? Like if I'm a church and I'm thinking of a number, I think once you get in between the 500 to 700 range, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're a standalone church, whether you're a campus, is that's when you're going to start feeling the pain of, okay, there's a lot more to manage from a campus pastor perspective. The youth pastor might not have as much bandwidth to support the needs uh, of the connections team. And so somewhere around that time, I think uh, definitely a part-time, you know, even if it's like, hey, 20 hours, 24 hours a week, just have somebody who can answer emails, respond, uh, meet with new people, that sort of a thing. Uh, Or if you want to go more all into, no, we want this person to actually develop leaders to reach out to small group leaders, to um, be meeting on a regular basis. I know when I was a connections pastor, probably 50 to 60% of my job was just meeting with new people. Mm -hmm. So if you have tons of new people coming and you want someone to actually be the front line of, my office was Starbucks and Caribou and Dunbros for like four years because I just was constantly meeting with new people. So uh, I think kind of depending on your needs and what your vision is, anywhere from the five to 700 range and then part-time to full-time kind of yeah. can help scale across that. Yeah. And I even think for churches that maybe say, hey, we're not at that barrier yet. You know, we, we haven't got there. I think there's deacons, there's volunteers. Absolutely. That like having, utilizing that to to not just always want to meet with the pastor. And, and right. obviously there, there are important meetings that lead pastors need to have or executive pastors need to have or wh- whoever it is on the team. But I think at times we can become so... Um, I don't know, so focused on like, well, they got to meet with me, but then it's like, you don't have time for other things or you don't have time yeah. to write your sermons or you don't have time to do that. And so I think that role specifically, it's like, again, not that it's not to necessarily like, you can't meet with the campus pastor, you can't meet with the lead pastor, yeah. but it's most people are just, they want to meet somebody and they want to ask yeah. questions. And what what are what are some of the topics? I mean, it seems really simple, but as we're, we're you know, we started off 2022, we're in a new year. I think there's a, a, a hope that, People are going to be coming back to church, yeah. which we've been saying that for two years now. Well, but I but I do think we're starting to see like newer people coming back into yep. church. It's a new year. There just has seemed to be some, you know an excitement around this year already. And so, what what are some of those things where you'd say where your maybe your goals for that meeting or questions that people had that were new? Because I, I mean I remember when you were in in that role, it was like. It's like, do you ever come to the office? It's like, no, I'm at Starbucks. And you just had back-to-back-to-back meeting, and it was like, new person, new person, new person, and getting them, you know, kind of connected. Man, my rewards programs were going off the hook. (laughs) I was like, I got free meals at Chick-fil-A and free coffees at Starbucks because I was always racking up the points. But, man, my my conviction for a lot of people who are leading churches now is why are people physically coming back to church? Like, why? Sure. It's it's post pandemic essentially. Like obviously, there's still a lot going on, but for the most part, we're we're coming out of it. If someone's physically coming to church, it means that they want to have relationship with people. Because otherwise, watch it online, give online, worship mm-hmm. online. Like there's a people element that you have to capitalize on 
for those who are coming in person. And that's what they subconsciously want. They might not say it out loud, but they want that interaction with people. And so it's so critical within the first or second week, as soon as you can catch it, and there's a lot to talk about. How do you catch those people? What are the ways to engage? You know, potentially we can talk about later. But as far as when you actually meet with them, most of what I did was I want to just hear your story. Just tell me your faith journey. And I think it's important to talk about faith journey because otherwise you could be there for four and a half hours just hearing, this is when I was born and this is... Sure. But keep it about faith. Hey, help me understand where you are in your faith journey and what led you to this moment. Now, we're in Starbucks, we're at Chick-fil-A, we're in Dunbrose. What led you here? And you hear the progression. And hopefully, if you uh, are a good pastor, a good leader, or even just starting out, you can start to connect the dots for people while they're sharing and then just say, hey, I want to tell you briefly about our church and our experience, and I want to offer you next step. Mm-hmm. Because the absolute worst thing that could happen from that meeting is that you had a really good, feel-good moment, and they got to know you, but you didn't empower them with what they should do next. Yeah, and I think that is super. Some people are uncomfortable. You know, they they're just I'm just glad you're here, and I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to push too hard. But again, if someone's willing to even not just come to church, but then they meet with you, then they're willing to go somewhere physically to sit down across a table with you as a pastor, as a lay leader, as a deacon, whoever it is, you need to have the wherewithal to say, hey, here's what I think you should do next. And whether or not they do it is not fully up to you, but have you provided them a next step in the journey? And whatever that looks like for your church, but if you provide them that, then they can leave going, I I was heard, I was valued, and I was given an opportunity to grow or to be a part or that it's not just about them. Sometimes big churches especially can be known for, well, it's all about them and, and, and it's just they need me to be the cog in their wheel. No, this is a way that you can one-on-one personally meet with someone and say, I think this is what you need to do to grow in your faith. And yeah, which it, I'm going to offer that. It, it, it seems so obvious, you know, when saying it, but I think we even kind of did like an audit of some of our teams and like how many new people are you meeting with? And then when you meet with them, are you giving them that next step? And it was like very low. And, and well, I, yeah, I just only, think it's not natural. Like, yeah, like because you're afraid or whatever it is, but, and, and for some pastors, I'm sure they're listening to this and they're like, well, that's what I do every single time. And that's awesome. And that's yeah. great. And I'm sure that there's fruit of that. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of people, it's like, I just want to meet with them and I want to tell them that, Things are good and hear, hear what they have to say and pray over them. And, and sometimes yeah. that's necessary, but especially when you're talking about a new person, like, like, hey, great to meet you. And then you forget their name next time. And it's like, oh, You don't want to be too like salesman-y either where yeah. it's like, oh, hey, like, here's all I want you to do. And I'm going to make you, you know, kind of almost feel like a pitch. But in a way, it kind of is like. Well, it's like the first, to me, if it's an hour meeting, it's like the first 55 minutes are like you trying to discover where their best next step is. And that's like the final five is like, like, hey, I, after hearing your story, it, freedom would be an awesome place and you should definitely do this. And especially like your own excitement around it. Yeah. I've seen that too. Like, like for going on a global team, you know, we always talk about it. We'll just invite people. Like the percentage of people that say yes to literally going across the world with you, it's pretty high. It's like 40 <laughs> or 50%, I would say, oh, of yeah. the people that I ask say yes. It's like one one of the people I just went up was like, hey, do you want to come to Egypt with me? He's like, yeah. When are the dates? 
and he signed up that day. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he didn't, I, he, I didn't even have to tell him anymore. I, I think the biggest thing with especially pastors that in the area of discipleship or connections or in, engaging in new people specifically is um, we just have to ask. We yeah. have to be bold. And and the other thing that we're really refining here and one of the things that I'm taking the lead on for this, for our church is we need to be clear in the next steps. Mm-hmm. And we're actually refining the process for that because sometimes what happens is is you can you can provide a myriad of options for people and how many people have been on Netflix for 45 minutes scrolling because they can't find something they're so overwhelmed All by the, the opportunity. Yeah. yeah, and then we always just watch The Office anyway because it's the best. <laughs> Never watched The Office fully. Through. That is blasphemy. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll pray for you at the end of the podcast. Is that a Christian show? Well, oh, okay. well, yeah. the brothers, the brothers. Hey, there's uh, there, there's some maybe some Christian undertones. We'll you know? get we'll get back on track. <laughs> but my point is, is you have to just just provide one thing. Like you don't need to throw the kitchen sink at them. Yeah. But if you like like right now, if we were to meet with someone, we have a a uh, class or a group. Where we're really changing it into being more of a group style, but it's called Welcome Home. And it's, you're going to learn about the church. You're going to meet new people. And if, if I could elevate or pitch it, it's you're going to find friends and you're going to find fulfillment. Mm. And when you're talking to new people, especially, make it all about them. Like, I can't stand it when we're like, hey, you need to do this because you need to know about us. Or, hey, yeah. you need to, no. Make it about them because everybody wants to be the star in their movie. Yeah. And so when you say, hey, we want you to do this because you're going to find friends and you're going to find fulfillment. Those are two words that everybody coming to church is longing to hear. Yeah. I want friends and I want to be fulfilled. What what percent of meetings that you had with new people were like they reached out and said, I want to meet with a pastor and it got to you or you reaching out to them saying, I want to meet with you? It was probably 95% me reaching out and 5% people reaching out. And then of that, when you reached out to somebody like, and I know I'm using percentages here, but like how many people would say yes? Was it like every other person? Was it a, a lot more than you thought? It was probably like 75%. Sure. And what I noticed is I actually changed. So I work nine to five. Everybody else on the planet that has a job probably works nine to five. So I mm-hmm. would text people at two in the afternoon because that's when I'm working and that's when I'm doing my job. So I'll send you a text or an email or a phone call and barely anybody would respond because they're working. Mm-hmm. So I actually changed my strategy to between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. on Monday night or Tuesday night because mm-hmm. that's when I would get all the collection card or the connection cards or emails or different things. So I changed my strategy to um, seven to eight. And we also ask, what's your preferred method of contact? People are emailing people that never respond to email. Sure. They're texting people that are 80 years old and will never respond to a text. Sure, yeah. So actually ask the people that you're wanting to hear from, what is the best way to communicate with them? Mm -hmm. And so I literally, I can't tell you how many times I would text someone at 7.30 p.m., and we would grab coffee at 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Sure. Like, yeah. Well, it, it's it's funny because I think at times like in church or even in organization, whatever it is, like wherever you work, you have to take yourself out of it for in your convenient moment. Yeah. And it's like, when am I on my phone the most? I right. mean, hopefully not at work while you're, <laughs> right. you know, working or, or if someone texts you, hey, let's meet up. I, I mean, I literally can think of it. I have a text right now. It's like, when can we meet? It's like, I'm not going to text them back. I'm doing this right now. Yeah. And so I think 
we need to take ourselves out of our context and be like, when are the people like most likely to respond to this? When are people most likely to meet? I had a meeting the other day with someone and it was at six in the morning and that was like our meeting time. And I'm like, wow, but he, he had to be at work at eight. Yeah. It's like, all right, like that's, that's what think, I'm going to do. I think that's a huge part of especially like, I know we're focusing a lot on the connections, like the new yeah. part, new people part of this uh, equation, but especially when we're engaging with new people, like mm-hmm. yeah, those are the those are new customers. Like if you are equating it in a business term, yeah. like how much more likely would you go out of your way to acquire a new customer mm-hmm. for uh, a business? Mm-hmm. And thinking about that in the church, like this is a new this is a potential new customer. Like mm-hmm. I don't know the lifetime value of this person, but I am willing to tweak my schedule minorly in order to maximize my effectiveness. Yeah, and once I saw that and actually was doing that, that's when it really took off mm-hmm. that I would probably be getting somewhere around 40 to 50%, but then it was almost being two thirds or almost a hundred percent success rate yeah. just by simply switching up the time and also matching the medium into which somebody is wanting. Mm-hmm. If they want a text, they're going to, you text them and they'll respond. If yeah. they want a f- some people want a phone call. Yeah. And that's super awkward now. But like <laughs> Yeah, if you're under like thirty five, it's like, like I didn't know the phone actually calls. Yeah. I thought it only texted. I thought it was just robocalls. Talk talk a little bit about that when when during COVID, I know when we were closed, we did a, a call, like a call campaign to yeah. everyone in our church. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were we were literally uh shut down here for a couple months and like couldn't do small groups even, couldn't do anything. And so we just decided to call everybody in the whole church and like everyone who had been active in what the last last 18 18 18 months. months? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, it could be some fringe people. Like obviously there's a couple of times people might not have been around still, but yeah, I think people were just blown away uh, more than anything else. Like personally, I didn't have a lot of people who had significant needs. I know there were a lot of people who had significant ministry moments or provided Mm -hmm. a lot of care for people. But for me, uh, so many people were just like, wow, uh, thanks. Like, I I wasn't expecting this. You called me. Hey, is there anything we can be praying for? Or is there anything that you need? And I think that in how digital everything is and how, like, we have automatic this and automatic that and automatic journeys, and you could almost entirely remove the human element in how to get people signed up for stuff, uh, just providing a phone call every once in a while mm-hmm. and hearing another person on the other side of the phone. Um, I think for the congregation, especially if you're in a big church, if you're in a small church too, but if you're in a big church, the more you can personalize the touch points, the mm-hmm. more meaningful they're going to be for people. Yeah. And I remember dad was talking about this. One of the churches that uh, we have a relationship with in India, they had like a, a system where it was, if you miss one week at church, cause they all scan like cards. They have a physical yeah. card yeah. that you scan yep. like a chapel at like yep. a, 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 ch- a, you know, a college yep. and they can know whether or not you've been coming. Yeah. And then they, they send somebody to your house or they give you a phone call they, or they, something. They call you after one week, after two weeks, I think like, the pastor does like they have a team that'll do it. Then the pastor checks in on you. And then if it's like three or four weeks, they'll they bring like a whole group of people, send yeah. people to your house yeah. to check in on you to make sure you're doing okay. And obviously, you know, in, in America, maybe that's not the same method, but even like, I don't know. I think there were things during COVID that we did that I felt like was a byproduct more so of our digital world than even was of COVID. Like we had a lot of kids 
kids pastors going around and like through neighborhoods and like showing up at people's houses and doing like a little yeah we did show a, for them a, a or, backyard bash is yeah. what we called it and so it was basically like a, a vacation Bible school but in someone's backyard mm-hmm. and so instead of doing one big one at the church we did dozens of small ones all throughout the community yeah and so I think a big part of it is like reimagining what it means to do events to do uh, church ministry that it doesn't need to be one big thing. It could actually be two dozen small things, but you are reaching way wider and farther. And it's actually more meaningful to people than showing up to one thing when I'm being removed from the process because the pastors are doing it. No, we're empowering you to do it. I think that's a, a threat to 2022 is getting comfortable again. Like I think now it's like probably most churches, again, barring, some unique circumstances. Most churches are back o- open in person. Their online attendance is probably lower than it you know, was in COVID. Sure. And maybe they've continued with an online campus, maybe not. Maybe they're still doing their streaming. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have pivoted and, and there's growth in that. But like these, these extra things of ways to connect with our community and ways to invite new people and, you know, ministering to in your, in your neighborhood or, or we did care packages. You know, we brought out all yeah. these different care packages to people in their homes that, of people who needed it or food drives. I mean, I, I can think of all the good that was done in the last two years. And it's, I, I feel a little bit of this creeping on. Maybe it's just me, but, but it's like, oh, well, let's get back to the way things were and, and stop all of the creativity or stop all the uniqueness of what we were doing. And I think that's a threat for a lot of churches. Yeah, I, I, I've always approached things in my ministry life as an addition to and never a taking away. And I think that this is a is a great example that we can, can we can add back the things that we're doing, but not take away the things that are still going. Mm-hmm. And usually, a, most people think it's a, a give or a take. And okay, so we add this, so what has to go away? And I think it can actually be harder to think how do we add this and keep this. But I think it's the right kind of work and the mm-hmm. right kind of difficulty that, yeah, we absolutely should uh, do small groups on campus, we call them core groups, and we have a large amount of people that are going through them, but we should not allow that to hinder what we've done in homes and Mm -hmm. in our community. We definitely should have giant serving opportunities where the whole church gets involved, but we shouldn't diminish the ongoing presence that we have throughout Mm -hmm. the community. And so um, I definitely see that it can be a threat if if you remove them. Um, the the challenge is going to be, and and the job for us as pastors and, and leaders is how do we continue to do the work that we're doing, mm-hmm. but also adding back these things instead of like you said defaulting back or getting comfortable back to where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a both and, and we have to. I just thinking of example like Target. They do the the um, express pickup like outside. You know, yeah. that is a huge thing for them. Now, if you were to say, hey, COVID's over. Sure. Now you're not going to do that anymore. They'd be like, are you kidding me? This is the best idea we've had. So it's, that is continued. That's going to continue to drive. Yeah. But they're also going to keep expanding their stores and doing everything else. It, if they wouldn't do that, then why do we do that? Yeah. Why no, do we I, take stuff away? Absolutely. I mean, you talking to different people who work at Target have talked about how successful that's been and, you know, drive through businesses and there's, you know, all these things that are just exponential, yeah. but it's, I, I think in the church, I think that's kind of my point is it's like, or 
what are the things that we should keep doing? What are yeah. the things that we let die even over the last year in 2021 that we did in 2020? Or what are the things that we like we're going to need to staff differently around? Yeah. And I think I think there's there's a lot of a lot of answers to that. There's a lot of contextual answers depending on, you know, where people's sure, churches are sure. at, but when you think about like the network, different churches that are listening, different pastors, like I don't know if there's a couple things or, or something off the top of your head that you're like, hey, this is something I'd really, as, as you're, you've been imagining your role in discipleship, you've been seeing trends, you've been seeing things like, what are maybe some of the things you're focused on? I know you talked about clearer next steps, but yeah. maybe some recommendations that they should be focused on as well. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're really trying to do a lot uh, more clear here, and I'm really excited for, and just an encouragement that I can give is you have to redefine or or actually define for the first time what does discipleship look like at your church and and how do people progress because as we've operated for the entirety of our existence basically it's been what i call an a la carte style Mm -hmm. where there's a table set and here's the different ministries that we have and we want you to self-identify or to choose or to kind of go throughout this progression and you know, I, I think that can be effective um, at times. And if people are really self-motivated, they can, you know, accomplish a lot and they can grow a lot. But what what I would encourage is if it's murky for you, it's completely unattainable for the average churchgoer. Like it's so dark. It makes no sense because we literally, I get paid to think about discipleship. I go to church six or seven days a week at times. I'm constantly inundated with everything. And the the most minor or or tiniest lack of clarity for me, it multiplies a hundredfold for the congregation, for mm-hmm. the average church member. How many, I can't tell you how many times where it's like, hey, I can't find this on the app or I can't find this on the website or I can't find that. And it's like, oh, well, you click here, 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 and here. Well, yeah, because I designed the page. Yeah. Of course I know how to get there. Mm-hmm. So, if, if there's anything, if you were to ask even your staff, even our staff, if we were to say, hey, what, what would we want people to do at River Valley? You'd probably get different answers depending on what people would ask. Mm-hmm. And that translates to a lot of people being confused and not knowing what to do. So when you think about what does that even look like? So what, what are the we call them core groups again. What are the core groups or the things that we want you to be a part of? What are the experiences or things that we want you to do? What are the kind of uh, things that are just natural to us as a staff that we do, which SOAP is our Bible reading plan, scripture, observation, application, prayer. But even that, do people within our church, do we talk about it enough? Do we mm-hmm. make it clear enough for people? Um, sometimes we use a lot of our um, internal jargon or our uh, sayings like kingdom builders and soap and the 500. And if we don't properly explain that every single time, mm-hmm. there's going to be people that are going to have a disconnect. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint the clearest, the most defined, the A step to B step to C step to D step. Like you have to break it down so simplified for people because by and large, they will do it and they'll be happy. They'll be thankful that you've done it. But uh, especially for for pastors and church leaders who are maybe frustrated where there's a stall or people, if especially if people are complaining like, well, I'm not being fed or I'm not being developed or I'm not like, you, you clearly haven't defined your process clear mm-hmm. enough. 
and you haven't provided them with next steps of leadership in those areas. Because I can tell you this much, if you're leading a small group, if you're leading a team of people, if you're serving in the streets downtown Minneapolis every Friday night, you're not really complaining about not being fed because you're having tons of other things that you're dealing with. And Mm -hmm. you're talking to someone who uh, is brand new in the faith. And I just had this last week. I went out to lunch with a guy from my small group and he's like, I don't feel convicted a lot when I sin. What should I do? You know, I, I don't agree fully with what the Bible says. What should, so I'm not struggling with, oh, I'm not being challenged in my faith because there's a guy challenging me right there. Yeah. And I have an opportunity to say, do I actually know what this stuff means? Mm-hmm. Or am I, am I just kind of going through the motions? And, and if you don't know, that's where you dive deep and you, I don't know the answer, but I'm willing to explore that with you. That's what discipleship is. That's what Jesus did. Like, if you want to be more like Jesus, grab 12 people that aren't super refined as Christ followers and just try to grow them for three years. Like, that's literally what Jesus did alongside of all the other stuff he did and obviously dying for our sins. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but it's like (laughs) Jesus literally had 12 guys that were rough around the edges that many of them weren't living for, uh, you know, living for God prior very well. And he turned them into the evangelists that brought the word of God, that brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. So if we are willing to do that, if we're willing to say, hey, just grab 12 people and pour into them for three years, what a difference that would make, not only in the people leading, but the people that are being led and ultimately in our churches all across the world. Yeah, I know you've talked about that before and and with people who are leading small group, like small group leaders are, you know, generally the most engaged people at our church. And, um, I'm just something that I, th- I thought of when you were talking there is the example you had at the Shockby campus of like when somebody was kind of holding the keys and, and maybe we can end with this, but ho- holding the keys of like, I lead the cafe and like, I do it every single week and I'm the person. And I think uh, even s- hearing that right now, I'm sure a lot of pastors can think of that person on their, yeah. their team. That's like, I'm grateful for them and I'm, I'm so glad they do it, but they do it all the time, every week. It's their thing. And they've almost taken control of like the, the cafe or the kids area or whatever it is. But yeah. it's like, it, but it, but it, but it relieves some stress temporarily because it's like, they've got it and that's a good thing. But talk about kind of how you changed that and how the ripple effect that that happened had at the campus. Yeah, we had uh, we had actually changed our serving philosophy to where we, we asked people to serve once a month. And so for a lot of pastors, it's find someone who will do it and ask them to do it as often as they possibly can do it until they can't do it anymore and then find somebody else. It, you know, I'll ride this person for a year or two years and then they'll burn out and then I'll find somebody else. And so we actually changed our strategy to say, hey, we actually just want you to serve once a month. And for some of those people that are a little bit more controlling or like, this is my area, I don't want you to touch it, I've got it and I've kind of made it mine is first of all, you have to be super appreciative for all the things that they've done. And hey, thank you so much. I know you've been working so hard. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help you. That's that's what I'm trying to do. And I would just say, hey, I'm trying to help you because I want you to be as effective as you can be. And I want you to be as well-rounded as you can be as a Christ follower. Because if you're only serving every week, every month, you're probably not engaged in a small group. You're probably not serving your community. You're probably not raising up other leaders because you're solely focused on this one area. And so 
the other thing is I kind of walked through this example of uh, if there's one leader, uh, one leader leading, and there's four potential opportunities, this leader is actually stifling the growth of three other people. Mm-hmm. And when you present it like that and saying, hey, you're, you're actually causing a log jam of leadership development. Because if, if you're going to lead the cafe every time, all every week, you're going to do it all, you're essentially doing the job of four people. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not developing your team very well because you're per- always focused on just accomplishing the task. So I kind of, I paint it in that way where if, if you can actually just do one, just do the first week and then let's raise somebody up to do the second week and the third week and then the fourth week. Now we have four leaders that we can develop who are pouring into their teams, who are pouring into their small groups, who are developing the people around them. Mm-hmm. And the light bulb goes off to go, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. This is kind of a lot. And I'm I'm kind of burning out here. And I want to help be a part of the solution. Um, and, and we were just able to see the ministry flourish and those individuals flourish because they, they may not know it, but they're actually uh, suffering or stifling their own growth. Mm-hmm. And once we see that, uh, not only does the individual, but the ministry really thrives. Yeah, well, I mean, it creates opportunities for new leaders. It creates bandwidth in their life. Uh, they probably are enjoying going to church more than rather than just serving throughout the whole. Oh yeah, whole everybody time was always like, "Man, yeah. I love I now I love serving." Yeah. Instead of this was my job. Yeah, exactly. Like, I you already work a job. Yeah. You don't need a part time job. Yeah. You need this to be life giving. Yeah. And, and I, so many of them felt that. Totally, and I'm sure for for people who have those people right now, and they're saying, "But but in the short term, it's going to be a little bit more work for the pastor, or the leader." To, to get that, yeah. that that strategy in place for people. But over the long term, it's going to be a lot better. And I mean, I, ultimately, I think that the goal is that then you get a new person and then they can start serving. You know, that's kind of our goal is to get them involved, get them in a small group, get them serving, be a part of what, what we're doing. Because when you're living on mission, like you talked about, it's so much it's so much more fulfilling. And then you can get to know people too. You yeah. can meet meet others. and That's the friends and fulfillment. Yeah. yeah you can accomplish those two by small groups and serving. Yeah. Friends and fulfillment. Well, if someone is maybe interested, has more questions of some of the things you've talked about, um, they can just send you an email. Is it, that work best? Or yeah, we'll, you can you can reach out to logan.ketterling <laughs> at, oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Connor. Connor.ketterling at rivervalley.org. Um, yeah. I, will, I will promptly put them in the spam folder and then uh or you can email network if you don't understand his sense of humor <laughs> i'm teasing no um, i i love it i i love meeting with people um and just sharing and i love learning from other people like there's always ways we can grow and be better too like we don't have the silver bullet for everything yeah. we take a lot of stuff from other churches and other people but yeah um just connor.ketterling at rivervalley.org or if you ever find your way to the network or even info you can just find your way i'd love to help in any way that i can awesome i know you do a lot of sessions at conference so coming up in june you'll be there as well and so yeah if you're thinking about wanting to learn more come to conference and sure connor will be teaching a session or helping out with that so if you let me if i let you i'm sure i'm sure there'll be something but until next time thank you for being on the podcast today and uh, it's yeah. been awesome and hopefully we get some new people assimilated in church and churches grow and we can champion people that's so. the goal awesome thanks so much yeah <laughs>